Welcome to A Common Thread, the official podcast of Pittsburgh Fashion Week 2020. This podcast is sponsored by Rothschild Trading. For the best in sustainable diamonds, pay them a visit at 717 Liberty Avenue, Suite 203 in downtown Pittsburgh. For more information, visit their website at rothschildtrading.com. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm Mallory Miller, and I'm very excited to be interviewing Richard Persakian, owner of Eons Fashion in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Today, Richard's going to be sharing his wealth of knowledge on all things vintage fashion with us. So first off, Richard, tell me a little bit about Eons and how you got started. Well, Eons will be celebrating its 35th year in business starting this year. I am a very classic vintage clothing store. I carry, at, at this point, 110 years of fashion. I go from the 1880s to the 1980s, and actually 1990s. I'm starting to really get into avant-garde designers from the 1990s, like Mugler, Gautier, Yamamoto. I'm very much into that kind of fashion right now. But it's like a mini department store of head-to-toe fashion for men and women. And of course, I do buy from the public. And it is, it's all sourced from the Pittsburgh region. I have a very uh, passionate view of how fashion should be sustainable and how fashion should also be used for social justice. You work with nonprofits through Eons. Yes. So what's that consist of? I have worked with the Andy Warhol Museum for exhibits and fashion events a few years ago. Well, actually, many years ago, it was um, 2004. The, the then director of the Warhol, uh, Tom Sokolowski, asked me to do an exhibit based on the 1960s era. They were doing an exhibit of the Kennedy assassination. So I decided that I lived through this period, that the okay. 1960s was um, a social change of uh, fashion and events. With the, the Kennedy inaugural, there was a very, the Camelot era of the Jackie Kennedy look was the early 60s. The British invasion in the mid 60s with the Beatles was another huge fashion change. And then in the late 60s, uh, with the assassination of Martin Luther King, Woodstock, the moon landing, all of these things were happening in 1968 to 1969. We have the Woodstock era, the hippie movement, which really was a very early forerunner of Black Lives Matter. That is my generation. We decided we do not accept the status quo. So fashion became cool. a liberation expression. So this is how I always look at how culture influences fashion through the decades. And do you think during that period, that the 1960s is when you were starting to first really get attracted to vintage fashion? And did you see a future in it at that point? Or it was just um, I, a I hobby really, or something you really I, liked? Yeah, I actually didn't get involved in vintage until I came to Pittsburgh. I'm a, I came to Pittsburgh as a VISTA volunteer, which is very much like the Peace Corps and AmeriCorps. And mm -hmm. I helped a friend start a store in 1978. And I've always been interested in recycling. I have a background in architecture. And I've always, that was part of my ingrained philosophy of back then, we called it recycling. Every decade, every movement has a new word. Now it's green. Now it's slow fashion. But it's still the same thing. And I helped her start a store. And um, I got very interested in that very specific aspect of it back then. And then I continued 
and then opened my own store. And as I connected with a lot of artists in Pittsburgh, I would use my clothing for events and fundraisers for various charities, especially in, uh, mostly in the arts community. I'm very connected to art and fashion in the city. And I, I don't want to assume, but it feels like it's safe to say the 1960s is probably your favorite era of fashion. Not really. Uh, no, okay. <laughs> uh, I, I, I sort of like a blend. It's hard to point out one mm-hmm. era. I like the 60s because of the, the revolution of the world. Mm-hmm. I'm very much into having a voice in change. And part of that was that era. And now we're in this new age of change. And I very much support young people expressing, um, challenging the status quo and challenging how we uh, represent each other and how people are not represented. So if I had to choose an era, I, I don't know. It's a little of everything. When I um, go out to events, when there were events, I, I'm always in vintage clothing, but it's always a, a blend of eras. I can go from everything from 1940s shoes to 1990s jacket and everything in between. So I rarely so buy new clothing. Right. But- yeah. Normal clothes. You, you're yeah. on the hunt for it. So it's yeah. safe to say that if you go to Eons, you said you have clothes from the 1880s to the 1990s, you're starting to get. So it's yeah. safe to say that there's probably an even distribution of errors, eras, sorry, and there's not one that you're really favoring. Absolutely. Yeah. At this point, like whatever I can find, if it meets my standards, a vintage store is a curated store. I handpick everything here. Mm-hmm. I buy it. It's not a consignment store where people will pay you a certain percentage if something sells. I take that risk to buy something. I have to look at something. It has to register something in me that I like it. It could be design, the quality, style, very important. Do you feel like there is a genre or an era of vintage clothing that is most popular right now and you see more people gravitating towards or buying that style? Classic Anything that has a classic silhouette has always been popular. When Mad Men was a big cultural movement in the TV genre, everybody was coming in for that classic sort of Audrey Hepburn, 60s, Dior kind of dress. That will never change. But a lot of younger people, especially, still love the 1970s. There is an interesting nostalgia. Well, they don't have nostalgia because they didn't live through that. But they uh, look at it in a certain sort of another freedom. I think it's looking at clothing in terms of having a freedom to express yourself. And they sort of gravitate to that. But when I, now that I'm open again and people are coming in, people are just look for, you know, I like that sweater. It just happens to be from the 80s or just happens to be from that 60s era. It's more like, looking for style and quality in uh, the materials and how it fits on the body. And going somewhere that's not a rack full of mass-produced clothing, so you're not going to be walking down the street. It would be very rare to be walking down the street and be wearing one of the same pieces as somebody else. That is definitely an attraction for a lot of people that would come in for prom dresses, let's say. they That is the first thing they always say, I don't want to be what everybody else is. I want... I want to be an individual, individual, and I think it's important that people have a way to express themselves 
that is not part of the mass produced like gap world even though gap is cop you know cop gap and banana yeah. Republic are always copying vintage clothing it, that's nothing new it's interesting when people come in they said oh i saw this at the gap and i went yeah well this is the real thing and that would be considered vintage style clothing so it's still fast yeah. fashion that's produced to emulate that vintage aesthetic correct correct but not the real thing so not the quality isn't there the quality isn't there. The details are not there. You can, you would have to pay a couture price to find some of the details that you would find in a vintage dress or shirt. It's interesting because I'm, ha I'm having trouble with gender identification. Mm -hmm. A lot of my customers, even though I might write down on, a, on my tag, women's dress or women's jacket or whatever that, I, yesterday I had some customers from New York and they were looking through my avant-garde designer pieces and the young man bought a beautiful Gautier women's jacket, but it fit well. And so I don't want to put labels and rules on what people can wear. When people come in my store, you know, obviously, you know, uh, some men are built bigger than others. Um, so you have yeah. a chance to be very gender fluid in what you look at. So the aim of the and that's story. one of the Go yeah ahead. the best parts of fashion is self-expression yes i mean when i when you look at the early you know bowie was one of the more famous gender i don't know if i can say this word the f-u-c-k-ers uh he <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, was able to um again pop culture influenced what people how people looked at clothing i had friends when Bowie was doing a Ziggy Stardust, they shaved their eyebrows, you know, they had the big platform boots and all that kind of thing. And so that was a huge influence. Even like Boy George, when he was around in the 80s, you know, he it was like, who is that? What is that? And it was like, it's just Boy George, you know? And so <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, people would start coming, um, you know, buying the hats and um, loose fitting clothing. And it didn't matter if, you were a male, female, or anything in between. And you pick the letters of the LGBTQIA plus alphabet, everybody has a chance to come in and express themselves and not be judged, especially in my store. I have no judgment. Amazing. Okay. So pop culture has always been influencing what people wear. Do you see in any movies or TV shows pop culture influencing a certain style right now? I'm just trying to think what's what's out there because nothing's been released for a while. <laughs> well, that's that's true. Yeah. yeah, I think that the last big one was I'm trying to think of films. I can go through some films that have been icons like Flashdance, which were film which was filmed in Pittsburgh with the uh, and I have a lot of friends that still wear that one ripped off sleeve sweatshirt. And uh, I, I uh, met the uh, costume designer, Michael Kaplan. He shopped in The Vamp when I was working there and bought some items for the movie. And he told me the reason why that happened, and this is a great factoid, was that um, Jennifer uh, Beals, I think she was the actor who played, um, who was the main actor, was um, mm -hmm. very full-chested. And her body double, who was um, a dancer, was very flat chested. So to hide that fact, they had her wear oversized sweatshirts. 
and that was sort of how that the more you know yeah and that so it's sort of accidents make things happen madman definitely not even madman yeah it was definitely a big iconic shift of how people looked at clothing or i feel like there's been a surge in popularity for like the 80s and 90s i feel like um, i feel like all of the popular shows on netflix are based in the 80s or 90s now so i i see that coming up again yeah, I'm getting a lot of that. Um, I had um, a friend of mine, um, I'll do some name dropping, Billy Porter. Um, he, he, um, we've been friends for about 30 years. So he would um, come in my shop whenever he was in town and I would help him with clothing for his like cabaret act and that kind of thing. Um, so he had the um, costume designers contact me about sourcing my store for clothing. We didn't I sent them a lot of information because they were looking for very specific color blocking, you know, things that are almost over the top. If you, yeah. if you watch the program, you understand. And then they were moving into the late 80s to early 90s. So it's like, okay, what is 90s? What what becomes iconic in the 90s? My store is like a resource for a lot of th- thematic parties, not only just for everyday mm-hmm. clothes. So when people come in and say, I'm going to a 2000 party, it's like, okay, God, now what am I doing? So it's always hard. <laughs> and it's always what they want is always the hardest thing to find because you want the cliche of that period on a steroid level. And 80s clothing is that same thing. What I buy, it's like everyday clothing. You know, it's not movie clothing. It's not runway fashion or a when yeah. they'd see a runway show pictures yeah, from the eighties, a little have, bit more toned down. Yeah. yeah. Because this is like off the rack kind of clothing. And it's like, what, what survives is the other question. I had a, a great estate sale a couple of years ago. It was a woman who had a clothing store in Pittsburgh that had closed in the eighties. So in, in her house in a sort of like a time vault where all these clothes, uh, it was, almost all women's blouses, purses, scarves, all from the 70s and 80s. And Mindhunters was uh, filming here. So their first season was 1970s. And so they saved me during the summer by buying tons of the blouses. They had a very specific color palette. The producer didn't want any red. I mean, this is when you work with costume designers, you find these little quirks that, you know, somebody doesn't like this or that. And it was also like, it was an FBI based show. So, uh, you know, it had, you know, very conservative, conservative looks, but I was able to help them. It was very good. So I feel like I'm noticing a surge in popularity over social media for vintage fashion. Other than it's always been pop culture. Do you feel like you could say that that's due to, I see celebrities like Kim Kardashian, where I feel like most of the dresses she's wearing on red carpets are vintage. Or do you feel like millennials or just us as a society are leaning more towards sustainable options and being more eco-conscious? I think uh, sustainability is a huge, huge part of it. And what that becomes, what is a hybrid of a sustainable and and vintage and slow fashion, um, which is coming out of the fast fashion industry. Mm-hmm. I think people are definitely more conscious of what is happening to the planet. I, for the past five years, uh, curate a Ecolution show. It's a nod to Earth Day every year, um, even though this year we 
because of the corona, uh, the virus had to postpone it. It'll be uh, next April. I ask artists to uh, using sustainable, organic, recycled materials create a runway look. Mm-hmm. And this has been very popular. It it, it helps uh, with the discussion of where are we going, not only through art and fashion, but how we respect what the resources are in the planet. How far does something have to travel? Are you how, are you reducing the carbon footprint of how you buy? It's it's all these things are being balled up into a huge discussion and. Fashion could be part of that. Art can be part of that also. So with that being said, I think it's safe to say that you feel like the future of vintage fashion looks bright. It's going to be even more in demand in future years. Absolutely. And and I'm hoping uh, we can respect what is here. Where vintage fashion comes from in the future will depend on uh, what survives. And if it's a throwaway society. It's going to be less of what we have now, or it is um, the better quality. It's like um, survival of the fittest, but in fashion. Yeah. Because with all this fast fashion that's happening, there probably is that worry of what what's going to last to be vintage if everything's made to be thrown away in six months. Yes, exactly. But I'm, I'm hoping a lot of people that really are thinking this through will understand there's there are different ways of looking and sourcing fashion and because of the the shutdown the past few months a lot of people are going if they're talented have a sewing machine and you can tell that because you know fabrics are in short supply in you know the local scene it becomes a very high demand item to be able to um, create your own clothing. But of course that takes some talent, uh, but it, it also helps local uh, makers who are uh, designers and create their own line. I think it can elevate what they do, like what the fashion week is, does and what Ecolution does. Yeah. You, know, you showcase artists, local artists that are creating beautiful clothing and give them a platform that they might not have had before. And I think that is very, very important. Yeah, with everything going on in the world, I definitely have seen more people rallying together to shop small or shop local. And when when the mask making started, I donated a lot of vintage fabrics, vintage cotton fabrics to friends that were doing mask making. And all of a sudden now we know this is going to be part of our you know, your bow tie, <laughs> your hat, yeah. like you wear at your glove. I love gloves and all those kind of things, but your mask, you know, so there's going to be the masking is going to be a big, huge, it already is part of our, um, it's going to be around a while. Yep. Yep. So make the best of it, make it, make it match, make it, get, make them fancy and make it so you um, can have a drink too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what actually even makes an article of clothing vintage compared to just being something thrifted? Like, what's the difference between that? I get asked this many, many times. And first of all, everything in my store is curated. 
Uh, people come in and they mm -hmm. say it's a thrift store, but it's not. What you find here, you might be able to find one piece of it in a vintage store if you look through, I mean, in a thrift store, if you look through the thrift store for two hours, but I have it all curated all here in, in one place. So I have true, what I call true vintage. When you walk in, like I'm looking at a never used dress from the early 60s, uh, it still has its labels on it. Uh, you're not going to find that in a normal quote unquote thrift store. My prices have a different level because I understand the value of it more than a thrift store would. And actually, when I've been to thrift stores, a lot of their clothing is more expensive than my clothing. And uh, it's sort of shocking how they're out of touch with reality a lot of times. And also because I have a worldwide market here, my prices, if any of my clothing uh, were, let's say, in a New York store or Chicago store or Tokyo store or London store, easily multiplied times four. And that would be a sort of starting point for um, the price, the prices. Where it sounds like almost thrift stores are taking advantage in this surge of popularity of vintage clothing, almost, um, I wouldn't want to say abusing the lack of knowledge that some consumers might have when it comes to vintage clothing. Yeah, with their but, price, like kind of price gouging. When when you go into a store, into a thrift store, and everything is donated, I I understand if it's if it's a true nonprofit, I I can challenge some of those businesses because I know they're not truly a nonprofit. And if people have an income that is a challenging times when. Um, you're uh, trying, you're working three jobs and you're trying to stretch that dollar. Um, and a thrift, I think it's great to have a thrift store that you can buy everyday clothing in and not worry that it's a grand vintage piece. Mm -hmm. I think it serves that purpose that is very much needed right now. If, if people understand that quote unquote used clothing is okay, <laughs> you know, to wear, there's always that has been a stigma ever since um, the, when uh, in the late 70s when I was with the vamp. But people have gotten over that. You know, I clean and, you know, wash everything here. So that shouldn't be a, an issue. But, but again, what is vintage clothing? We change the decades every year. When I started, I was buying through the 60s, you know, so 70s and 80s and 90s was not even a, a thought. So time is is a good qualifying element to look back at. And you also, I also hear about antique clothing. Is there a difference between vintage and antique? How far yeah. would that go back to be considered uh, antique? It's one and the same. Some classic people think will say an, antique clothing would be turn of the century, well, the last century, 1890s, the 1900s, 1910, but. Vintage buyers, there's no difference in that word anymore. So are there certain decades of fashion that you feel like you're easier to find than others? Because of the availability, um, I am finding 80s and 90s much more. It's it's always a, a grand day when I find something from the 60s, you know, or, yeah. or, or 50s. It's very difficult. The market has really dried up. Everybody's been, everybody has an Etsy store now. Everybody does Poshmark. Everybody has some kind of platform that they're trying to resell. Everybody's out there at house sales and looking for things. 
So the sources are getting more difficult. So that's why I've expanded into the 90s. But the 90s, again, that I really enjoy become the designers like the McQueen, mm-hmm. uh, Montana, you know, the high-end designers that have yeah. very special pieces. So. And it's weird for me to hear not and think of 90s as vintage fashion, but dear God, <laughs> that was 20, yeah. 20 years ago already. Yeah, yeah I know. Get ready. Uh, you know, like what will be, <laughs> and the question is, what will be the vintage fashion up from 2020 and you know it's 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 always a uh, interesting study to look in the future to look back to figure out what would what what are the survivors of that era that are going to be iconic that will be a collectible in the future and that's always a game what what would you if you had to pick what would you think would be vintage from today because right now it feels to me that we're just kind of repeating style and the only thing that seems new to me right now in fashion are leggings and that type of streetwear yeah and leggings so, of course are, are 80s you know so there's yeah. like 80s actually they're um, 80s in its best form copy the 1940s the 1960s mm-hmm. copied the 1920s today I'm feeling that we're looking at the um, social justice movement and we're going to look at that type of urban clothing that will become how, how, how if you if I were to look at today Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. anything that's associated in a graphic that way and I hate to use that because there's more to the discussion of those words than just fashion yeah and I'm understanding that but if you had a t-shirt or a hat or something that says Black Lives Matter, in 20 years, I'm hoping we don't have to worry about those words anymore. This will be a time capsule of this period of, of revolution. Of such an important moment in history. Yeah. So it would be fascinating to look back and have a t-shirt that says that. You know, otherwise, it's something I would really have to, you know, think about, like when I, I, I always look when I'm walking around, I am not looking down on my phone. I'm always looking at people. So mm-hmm. observation is is the best form of education to figure out what might be a future. The big scarves <laughs> it might be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing scarves in the dead of summer. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for talking in today. My final question for you, Richard, mm-hmm. how can listeners support you? Do you have a website or a social media where you can be reached or followed at? Yeah, I am developing my website. I'm very slow, but I am inst- mm-hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. So at uh, Eons Fashion on both of those and Twitter. I'm also on Twitter at Eons Fashion. If you're in the Pittsburgh area, you know, stop by. One thing is my store is a social circle for the arts community in Pittsburgh. Sometimes I feel I have a presence here, but I use my presence to have a dialogue about social justice. And I'm, as you can tell, I'm very passionate about the arts, dance, theater, music, spoken word. All of my friends are involved in those things, and I, I use my store to support them. And I think it's important for businesses to be a real part of the community and not just shutter your door and that's your life. 
you really need to be out there supporting artists that have a point of view. And a lot of my friends that need assistance, I let them borrow, you know, clothing for dance pieces or photo shoots and, you know, let them do videos and this kind of thing. So I think it's very important if you have the means, and I do not have the financial means, but I have the materials here that can help move a discussion and move their artwork. And I've been helping people, you know, from Billy Porter to my friend Kyle Abraham, <laughs> who has a dance company in New York, who is from Pittsburgh also. You know, it's an ama amazing wealth of talent that has come out of Pittsburgh that you can hear what, what their voice is now. And it's, it's wonderful to turn on the television and hear Billy Porter on the Democratic National Convention, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think we all need to be part of the community and not be sort of like just a, a store that here nine to five and thank you for your money. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm never like mm -hmm. that. And one of those people that always said, I always liked a brick and mortar store because I want people to touch things. So this is like the world we're living in now. It's like touching has become like an issue, but you really need to try things on. I do mail order and that kind of thing, mm -hmm. but, and I've been very active Facebooking items from my collection here. Yeah. But part of what's so special about vintage fashion is the hunt. Like you have yeah. to get into the store, you have to go through the racks and you have to feel yeah. the quality of the material yourself. Because within a thousand square feet, there is almost nothing that is the same. So you have to, that's why a website would be useless because I can't put, I would be spending my time taking photographs and doing Posting this, so uh, much to me, a, a waste of time. But it is a financial thing too, but that's why I invite people if you're in the area or traveling and a lot of people travel and this becomes a destination, you know, open every day, 12 to five. So, you know, please, you know, stop by, explore and, and explore Pittsburgh. Also, there's incredible now that we're trying to open up. I think uh, <laughs> people that come to the city for the first time are just blown away by the beauty of it. They think of it just as kind of industrial steel yeah. town. They don't realize what we have to offer here. Yeah. And Eons just happens to be one of those good things. That, uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Once again, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks, Mallory. Appreciate it. You're, All right. um, you're letting me uh, spew out a few words. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to A Common Thread, the official podcast of Pittsburgh Fashion Week 2020. This podcast is sponsored by Rothschild Training, located at 717 Liberty Avenue, Suite 203 in downtown Pittsburgh. For the best in sustainable diamonds from a company built on accountability, honesty, and integrity, go check them out. And for more information, visit RothschildTraining.com.